Hello, welcome to the Awake 58 podcast. I'm your host, Nation Han. If you know me, you know that I love to travel the highways and byways of North Carolina, back roads and dirt roads alike in search of the next great barbecue restaurant, dipped fried chicken like at Keaton's, herring shacks like the Cypress Grill, or anything in between. At ednc.org, we try our best to lift up the stories of community leaders, the issues of community members. We try to explore every aspect of the educational continuum from start to finish through their voices. It's part of the inspiration for this podcast. And in many ways, it was inspired by the approach of my friend, Dan Gerlach. Dan is known for his deep love for the state, his willingness to travel, and he is always my go-to when I'm looking for the next great food recommendation, particularly in Eastern North Carolina. Today, we have a conversation around the future of broadband, access, affordability, and what the legislature and the governor are likely to try this upcoming session. Give it a listen and let us know what you think. Dan Gerlach, it's always good to be with you, my friend. It's great to be with you, Nation. This podcast will come out while you're on your Lenten break from social media, so I wanted to have the state have a chance to hear from you during that, that time of silence. Well, thanks very much. That's good because uh, anything negative I won't see until Easter, so I won't, I won't worry about it. <laughs> good enough. Well, thanks for spending time with us. Uh, the big news out of Raleigh the last week or two has been the state's revenue picture. Uh, the forecasts, I think, were delayed in coming in relative to what people were expecting. And then when they came in, there was a, a, a positive surprise for the state, it seems. Can you give us sort of a, a rundown of the state's revenue picture as to where it stands right now based off of what came in this past couple of weeks? Sure. Well, if we cast our eyes all the way back to September 2019, which seems like about 80 years ago, but it's not that long ago, actually. We're looking at a forecast uh, for, for this fiscal year, the one that we're in that will end in June 30th. And uh, it turns out that, that what we actually believe that even though we're still dealing with the throes of this pandemic, that revenues are actually going to be higher than we expected back in September 2019. Uh, even with all the adjustments, I mean, a couple of things that have challenged the forecast so people have to keep an eye on nation is one is moving the, the final tax payment date from April 15th of 2020, which was when last fiscal year, to July 15th, 2020, which is in this fiscal year. So we always knew that this fiscal year would look artificially higher because you have kind of two equivalents of April 15th payments. In. Uh, but it turns out that the news is actually even better than that, uh, that we thought that, that the state over the two years was gonna be uh, between uh, May of 2020 and today, uh, May of 2020 and the end of 20, uh, uh, June of 2021, that the state was going to be off the forecast by about $4 billion. And it turns out that one is, is that the state ended uh, last year, ended in June, even though the forecast was made in May, far stronger. And then for the year that we're currently in, it's far as far stronger. In fact, it's blown away uh, the $2.5 billion uh, reduction that we thought we were going to have. It's $4.1 billion. So, so this is good news all around. And part of it is, is due to the fact that uh, on the income tax, which is our work workhorse of the state revenues, that 
well, hey, what happened is generally what happens in a recession is non-wage income, that stuff tied to dividends or capital gains or things like that, that usually gets hit harder than kind of wages do. And so for high income earners who are still, you know, pay uh, a lot of the income tax, uh, maybe not as great a percentage, I'm not trying to get into a regressivity argument, but they bear a lot of that load. They frankly did this, did a little bit better. And, and this recession, unlike many others, is quite a deep divide between uh, people uh, who don't earn a lot of money who are in the service industry, uh, people in, in restaurants and hotels and so forth, and people uh, maybe at the upper end where they've been able to work remotely and done well. So the income tax held up. The sales tax, which is something I think a lot of people would have concern about, is is benefited from the fact that people were able to shop online and that this Department of Revenue was able to tax you for those sales online. Part of that's due to the fact that the state states have gotten a way to tax sales that used to be kind of on your honor if you're going to pay the taxes or not. But now as these remote sellers, these kind of online sellers collect for them. That's part of the answer. But part of the answer is, some, frankly, that some of this has shifted online. And so, frankly, the, the growth in online sales from 7% of our tax sales tax base to 11% of our tax base year to year, 2019 compared to 2020, nation, the growth in that was uh, more than uh, compensated for all the net growth in the sales tax. Overall. In other words, the growth in online sales exceeded everybody else. If you didn't have those, that growth in online sales, if that would have been completely flat, our sales tax collections would have been negative this year, uh, mainly due to the fact that that if you look at the restaurants, the taverns, the hotels, uh, those tax revenues are down 20 to 30 percent. So our sales tax revenues are net up, but when you look at different sectors, nation, it's really quite a different story. But overall positive. So the the um, the individual income and sales taxes, which make up over 80 percent of our tax base, are, are very healthy. Uh, where we've seen some revenue decline is in the treasurer's investment income. It's not any fall of the treasurer, it's just the fact that interest rates have gone at zero. And so those uh, interest rates uh, are on the kind of that short-term, their short-term balances was, was generate about $12 million a month. And now it's not generating maybe 20% of that. So, so that's a kind of a, a negative side to that. But basically our revenue side is strong uh, the vaccines are taking hold, and overall, it seems to be doing well. I think, as people have well attributed to, the fact is when you, when the, the federal government reacted more quickly to this recession than they had to other recessions with the stimulus payments, with the uh, paycheck protection loans, uh, forgivable loans, and so forth, it's really made the difference. So that's why we're in a much healthier situation. And let me pivot, if I might. The fact that it's not only the revenue side of the equation looks good. And so part of the equation is, well, what is the spending side look like? And when the General Assembly left town uh, after enacting some adjustments to the budget last year, uh, basically it looked like our general fund budget was going to be slightly higher year to year. Now, throughout the first seven months through the end of January this year, our spending is actually about a billion, uh, about $950 million lower than it was last year. And so if that trend continues, and, and it may, uh, then the state will end up with a lot of money left over that it had budgeted to spend, but it didn't spend. So that uh, is, is further good news. 
A lot of that is due to the fact that the coronavirus relief fund money that the federal government provided was able to provide for some expenses that people who are, who are paid out of the state general fund before were now doing kind of COVID-related stuff, and so we paid them with COVID-related money. But of course, that can't continue forever. In addition, the federal government provided an additional higher percentage of the Medicaid program, which is particularly the state, split between the state and local, or the federal and state governments, um, picked up a far bigger share of that. So that Medicaid program is a big, is a big, uh, big item in our state budget. So even a few percentage points makes a lot of difference. I know that predictions and February often are a little bit of a fool's errand given the, the vagaries and the length of a long sure. session. Uh, but given that, um, get a guess. I mean, where are some of your thoughts about where some of the revenue that's come in behind the amount, beyond the amount forecasted might go, um, especially given, like I said, the, the relatively strong state cash position, um, the possible additive federal dollars that we expect to come in. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we're not asking to predict where everything it goes, but what are some of the big ticket items that they may, uh, may end up? Well, I believe there'll be interest in all parties of putting more money into the state's rainy day fund, right? The, the formal rainy day fund, the state's formal savings account, which, which the General Assembly has bragged on them building it up over time to over a billion dollars. I believe that's a, that's a place where they're gonna sink a lot of this money and with good reason. The, the rainy day fund is, is still a, smaller percentage than most other states. And I think uh, they'll want to put some of that money there and that would fit every kind of, uh, I believe the governor and general assembly would agree on that. I believe there'd be a lot of money spent on repair and renovation of state facilities, including university facilities, uh, things that aren't sexy at all, uh, but kind of fixing what we have rather than buy, build shiny new things. Uh, the university system, the Board of Governors voted, may, may have already voted today as we take this uh, nation to uh, offer about roughly a billion dollars in capital ideas. And I believe a lot of that will get done because a lot of that is repair and renovation. It's kind of the meat and potatoes of, of infrastructure. Uh, probably some more money into natural disaster uh, funding reserves as well. So those would be some areas. And I think some of the big infrastructure areas, as I mentioned, as we were talking about with some of your colleagues earlier, we talked about broadband. And I think broadband is the kind of thing where, where the General Assembly has provided you know, $30, 40000000 million a year through the GREAT program uh, for some broadband expansion. But there's probably a lot more demand, a lot more need than they had dollars in that. And so that's a one type of uh, infrastructure that would benefit a lot of things. And along that lines in infrastructure, of course, uh, North Carolina Chamber and others have talked about the, the problems with our DOT funding, where uh, then Secretary Trident, General Trident, got the, the word that, hey, look, you know, we've built up all these balances in our highway fund and highway trust fund. I mean, spend some of it. Let's go build some roads, man. I mean, let's invest in our transportation infrastructure. And the department did all that, but kind of did it in such a way, such an aggressive way, they got a little bit beyond, beyond what money they had. Then, of course, they were hit with the pandemic with the fact that we depended on the gas tax uh, to help fund a lot of your operations. And, and the governor asked us in, in not to travel. And so there's not a lot of their revenue uh, coming in. I think maybe some general fund subsidy, as the General Assembly has done in, a couple, in the last year or so, uh, to provide some money to DOT uh, to enable to continue to make progress on that would be something I would look for. The third thing is, is uh, I think on kind of relief issues, uh, 
the, the Restaurant Lodging Association has a, has a proposal to help them uh, because as we mentioned, in, when you look at the revenue targeting, obviously they're the sector overall that's hit the hardest. And so they're looking for some relief and they had asked for a substantial amount of money and people probably said, oh my gosh, what were you thinking? Well, that number may look a little more realistic to help bridge these, these uh, entities to the other side. And I would say too, that uh, on Paycheck Protection Program loans, that uh, one of the things that you benefit from is, is if your business that got that under federal law, your income, that, that amount of that loan, if it's forgiven, is tax-free income to you. And in December, the, uh, the U.S. Congress and President Trump signed the law that the, you could deduct those expenses. Also, uh, you could deduct those expenses. Those deduct those expenses, excuse me, uh, for, um, to allow you to benefit from that. I, I think back in the spring, the General Assembly said, well, you know, uh, we, we'll allow you to deduct the income, but maybe not the expenses too. That doesn't seem quite right to us. But because mainly there's about $13 billion in the first round of, uh, of a paycheck protection program of loans, and that's a big number. But but I see there are some bills dropped in to help businesses uh, get that treatment too. But that's a several hundred million dollars. So I think to some building up reserves, I think building up the infrastructure, uh, I think building up the um, uh, kind of these one-time kind of tax benefits for, for some businesses and by it may, may be all in order. One of the big ticket items that I think a lot of people are interested in is broadband and, and particularly broadband expansion given the state of play uh, for the state during the pandemic. Um, what do you see, I mean, what do you see as the likely likelihood of, I guess, a big move on broadband, either on part of the governor or the legislature, and, and you know, let's even look beyond broadband and digital access. And then do you see hope for um, a bipartisan, you know, consensus to emerge or a big idea to emerge? Well, I'm certainly hopeful of that, right? Uh, bipartisan consensus to arrive at a variety of policy fronts. That would be something that I think we would all enjoy. And the fact is that there's money there for it. I mean, not only you alluded to this briefly earlier, Nation, but we talked about the state money available. The fact is, is that the United States Congress is, is right now debating a $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief bill that, that if passed in the form it is in the House Committee, at least House Oversight Reform Committee, that would provide another $5.7 billion to North Carolina state government, as well as relief to every single county and every single municipality in the state in a non-trivial rate. So I think that's a... Uh, it's a big deal. And uh, it's going to be a challenge of where do you put that? Who is ready to handle that money? I mean, that's part of the issue is, is if you allocate that money, how long will it take you to actually spend that money wisely? How will be able to go through the agency and go rebuild the building or your fiber or what have you? That's, I think, the big question. But yeah, I think broadband would be a priority. It has been for the last few years. It seems like, you know, given the prioritization, I mean, uh, you know, there's rumblings and a lot of conversation around what the governor's play might be here. I mean, you know, pulling out your crystal ball, I mean, uh, we would assume it's part of Cooper's agenda for the year. I mean, do you think that's true? And, and what do you think his, uh, what do you think his play might be? I think it's, yes, it's, yes. I think Governor Cooper will be very aggressive on broadband. And uh, I think his play will be put a lot of resources into it. 
And I don't know, you know, I think they, they've got a lot of people with the broadband infrastructure office. The governor has some policy people working on this and the state budget office is working hard on this. He's got a lot of his team working on this right now. And I expect it to be a very aggressive proposal. And I think uh, around, along the lines of we need this infrastructure to undergird our two big things we do, two of the bigger things we do in the state, which is education and healthcare. Um, so I would, I expect an aggressive move out of the government. Are there other areas, you know, where you think there might be some bipartisan consensus emerge this session where there might be some big plays? I mean, and, and what do you think the governor's or the legislature's willingness is to go big here with, with Governor Cooper? Well, they have the resources to do it. And I think putting money into um, the thing that I outlined, I, I think would have bipartisan interests, if not bipartisan support. I think probably bonuses, I would add, you know, but I think it's well documented by other people about the idea of bonuses for uh, various state employees, teachers, and so forth, I'm sure. Uh, but I think one of the things is, is right now, if you see these kind of numbers, and I'm a budget, you know, 25 years of budget guy, I'm thinking something's going to bad happen, right? I mean, so this can't be right. You're kidding me, right? And, and then so in April, you know, about May 1st or so, Nation, we'll see what final returns are on the income taxes for the 2020 tax year, seeing if they came in about expectation, see if the kind of estimated payments are done, are going to play out. Like, for instance, on the sales tax side, is you're not going to have 50% growth in uh, online collections from online sales. That, that's simply not, it's not going to continue at that rate, because as time goes on, you've marched up to a higher base. So... So January and February of this year of 2020, uh, revenues were up from those sales about 20%. And then they jumped to 40, 50, 60, sometimes close to 60% a year of year growth. But but that's not sustainable, especially if people are not going out and eating your restaurants, staying in your hotels and doing those kinds of things at that rate. So that's, I'd rather be lucky than good. Uh, and we've had a little bit of bump. Looking around the state, I mean, you're well known for your travels. I mean, are there some bright spots as we look at how to get broadband, you know, as, the, as legislators or the governor looks at how to get broadband access done, are there some bright spots they might look to um, on the municipal level or regional level? Well, I think if you go up into the northwest corner of the state, look at like a skyline telephone, you know, up in uh, up in Ash County, you know, very northwestern county, that, that's something I know has had good experience. Uh, and, and there are some other areas like that, but that'd be one just one example, and I, I'm not trying to leave. If I, if other people are listening, and saying, "Dan, how could you forget this?" I apologize, but, but I haven't been traveling much recently. Nation. Well, before we get to uh, the fun, well, fun for me at least, rapid fire questions I always try to do at the end of these. Um, what are some of the other issues that you think are going to shape the legislative session? I mean, obviously, revenue and budget will be the the overarching thing, but are there other issues you expect to sort of dominate the conversation? Well, in the fall, of course, whenever they get final census numbers on redistricting, that's something that affects every legislator, so they have a lot of concern about that. Um, uh, but, but in the near term, I think for trying to determine how do how do how do you use this kind of resources that you, that you've been given wisely, and what can actually be spent and uh, and used wisely to help uh, not not get us overcommitted in the long term is important. I mean, obviously, uh, trying to deal with some things that are counter, 
counterintuitive. Like we talked about community college enrollment being down in a lot of areas, whereas in normal recessions, I mean, normal recessions, people decide to go to community college to get kind of reskill retraining to get a better job or even a job. And just because of the nature of this recession driven by the pandemic, they haven't been doing that. So, so that's uh, kind of the, uh, kind of some of the, the challenges I see, I see before us. Excellent. Well, here's the, here's the fun part for me. A couple of quick questions. How do you, uh, how do you see Notre Dame football doing next fall? Going to be strong. Going to be strong. I know the ACC is uh, mad that they can't be in there competing every year, but we play five ACC teams. I, I think, you know, to be honest, uh, Chapel Hill, your alma mater, is a great program. And, and uh, although they lost a couple of those great running backs, uh, as you've noticed, uh, as you've noted time after time on Twitter. Uh, but but Notre Dame, I keep thinking, oh, this is going to be a rebuilding year, and they keep doing pretty well. So I think they'll be strong. Uh, who do you think is going to win on October, uh, I believe, 30th when UNC travels to Notre Dame? Well, um, let's see. That's a hard pick, but it, it's not going to be it's not going to be Tariel. Sorry, I mean they're going to come in there high and mighty, and the shadow of the Golden Dome. It's a tough place to win a football game, but it's going to be a great football game. I was there the last time that that Carolina played at Notre Dame, and. Uh, Carolina always plays very tough up there. Well, if we're both vaccinated and they allow fans in the stands, I, I think you and I should probably meet up there, go to the game. Well, that, that, you know, uh, there, there's, it, it's really kind of a cool place to see a, see a game. It really is. And it's a, a nice campus. I mean, Chapel Hill and, and many of our other campuses in, in North Carolina are very beautiful. But, uh, but in the fall, that's the time to visit there. I, I don't know if I go about. February, that's maybe not so much. So I often when I'm traveling to some rural places, text you for advice on food, although I think it goes back and forth and, you know, Carolina Burger and Lenore is thankfully reopening soon. So you'll be able to get your fix when you're out that way. Yes. Yes. Um, what are, what are a couple of your favorite spots that you're going to, you're going to go to when we're uh, back open for business and you're back out on the road? Oh, that's, that, that's a, a really a tough thing. I like, um, Well, I think going to Bee's Barbecue in Greenville, I mean, come on, why not? I mean, of course. Uh, so that's a place. Wilbur's has reopened, and I'm so hype about that down in Goldsboro. I mean, that's that's excellent. Uh, I really enjoy that. And, um, you know, so many other places I, I would have to think about. It. There's some places in Bryson I like to get to. And... Um, but some places, I don't know if you have this, but you know, you, you kind of know where the place is and you just go there. You yep. forget what it's called, but you just go there because that's your place. That's kind of how I like to do it. There's a place in Wyville that I discovered a few months ago that I'm now keep telling people it's really good. Just go to, go to downtown and look for a largely abandoned strip mall and you'll find your way to this restaurant. So I could. Right. I, but, but I think. Oh, I know. You know, in Morganton, you know, uh, Asian Fusion, of course, forever is, is a great place to go. Uh, I like that a lot. I hit that when I go to Morganton. And uh, what, what's the root, what, root and Vine, also in Morganton. I highly recommend it. It is a classic. It is a classic. 
Well, thanks for talking to us today. Looking forward to having you back on Twitter. Um, and you'll see some tweets come in your way uh, tagging you when this podcast goes live. So you'll be able to look back on it then. But see, yeah, I mean, well, be merciful because we're going to turn on Easter. Well, maybe not on first thing on Easter, but after that. Thanks for your time. I appreciate, I appreciate you uh, having me on. As always, thank you for listening to the Wake 58 podcast. For more community college content, our latest stories, research from across the state, or information that you can use in your daily life, check us out at ednc.org. If you have ideas for topics, people we ought to interview, or stories that we ought to tell, feel free to tweet us at awake58nc. That's awake58nc on Twitter. Thank you so much for being part of our Awake 58 community. And thank you, as always, for taking time out of your day to listen to the stories from across the community college spectrum and across the state.